Welcome to CT Church. This message was recorded during our Sunday service. We hope you enjoy this presentation. We're going to conclude this morning our series on the seven deadly sins. We've talked about pride, envy, gluttony, greed, uh, anger, sloth, and we're going to wrap up our seven deadly sin series today talking about a sin that has uh, has an absolute firm grip not just on our nation I would say most of the world we're talking about the sin of lust what is lust greek definition an impulsive passionate desire well that's completely fine within the confines of marriage and yeah and also we're called to have a very deep and passionate desire towards God Himself. But lust, as we most commonly refer to it, is a sin uh, longing for sexual satisfaction outside of marriage. It's been described as an agitated longing, intense craving, out-of-touch desire for something or someone that is not ours. Lust is a form of passion that has been misdirected and twisted by the power of sin, which Satan is an expert at doing. Taking good things and twisting them into sinful things. You see, lust takes this very beautiful gift of God and he turns it into a deadly sin. Because lust wants to fulfill its desires bypassing love, without no consideration For love. You know, as Christians, we're called to be people who love one another, but society would teach us today that lust and love are basically the same thing, when in fact there is a very huge difference between love and lust, in that lust completely bypasses love and moves directly into an area of passion. It eliminates relationships and it turns other people into just objects or things. Now, I'll give you a little warning this morning. This sermon uh, may not be for the faint of heart. I'm going to give it a PG-13 rating this morning. But I would say this in my defense. You would probably squirm a lot more if I just started reading Song of Solomon right out of the Bible. That might make you a little more uh, nervous. So anyway, just want to kind of prepare you uh, mentally here. You guys guys doing okay down there? (laughs) Is it a lot going on? I'm going to begin this morning by sharing a little story with you. This is a story about Bob. If you're here this morning and your name is Bob, this is a different Bob, okay? (laughs) Bob's a regular kind of guy, just kind of like you and me. He goes to church most Sundays and even serves in a couple of different ministries. He's been married for several years now, and Bob's a pretty good husband who loves his wife. But one night, Bob was on the internet pretty late, and he accidentally found himself on a pornographic website. And when those images popped up on the screen, Bob was absolutely shocked. Just not quite shocked enough to turn it off. And he just stayed there for a while. A few nights later, he was back on the computer, but he promised himself that he wouldn't do that again. He remembered those images, though, and he could feel that craving for that that excitement beginning to grip him, and there he went again. 
At first it was occasional, then it became fairly regular. Before long, it was almost every day, and every time he would feel so guilty. But Bob didn't like those feelings of guilt. So here's what Bob did. He started to justify his guilt by thinking to himself, well, you know, I'm not really hurting anybody. It's not like I'm committing a physical adultery with someone. And and besides that, it'll never go beyond this. The only problem was that the growing addiction was beginning to affect the way that Bob thought. And now every time that Bob would see an attractive woman, it would seem to start this sequence in his mind of those images on the computer, and he would just fantasize. Bob thought it was kind of enjoyable. And besides all that, he'd promised himself it won't go any further than that. Then one day at work, Bob was talking with Susie. If you're here today and your name is Susie, this is a different Susie. He'd known Susie for quite a while, and Bob felt so bad for Susie because he was aware that she was just coming out of a horrible uh, divorce and relationship, and he knew that she was feeling so lonely. A couple of days later, Bob found himself doing something he'd never done in 10 years of marriage. He was sort of flirting with Susie, and she was flirting back. I don't have to say that that was pretty exciting to Bob, but he promised himself it would never go further than that. You're catching on here. Before he knew it, he and Susie were having what you might call an emotional affair. And it was very exciting, but Bob knew it would just not go any further than that. But one evening after work, Susie invited Bob over to help her with something at her house. And wouldn't you know it, Bob did end up committing adultery. On his way home, Bob was literally in shock. He couldn't believe he had actually done that. He was so sorry and so ashamed and so guilty that he promised himself that would never happen again. But it did happen again and again and again until finally someone at work discovered the affair who just happened to be a friend of Bob's wife. That person, of course, told Bob's wife and also informed the office manager of the situation. A few days later, when Bob arrived home, he found that his wife had left and took the kids with her. The next day, Bob was called into the manager's office and was informed that his services would no longer be needed due to the company's strict policy concerning inter-office relationships. And all of a sudden, there was Bob standing outside of his life looking at the shambles that it had become and wondering how something that started so small could have completely destroyed his life. So this morning, you you might ask yourself that question, well, is Bob a real person in this story? The technical answer would be, or the literal, literal answer would be no, but in a very real sense, yes. Because this scenario is played out every day in the lives of thousands of men and women everywhere. It begins with a little bit of lust creeping in, and before you know it, people fall into sexual temptation. It destroys their lives, their dreams, their careers, their families. It's not a make-believe story. 
Now, what we're talking about today is kind of is a tough issue. Sexual temptation is hard to defeat because we're all blasted with it from every direction every time we turn around. It's on television. It's in the movies. It's all over advertising. It's all over computers. It is everywhere around us, and there really is no escaping it unless you just lock yourself in a closet and turn off the lights. It is bombarding the world today. So a large portion of what we're talking about here today is choosing to follow God's plan in, in dating relationships or in honoring our, our marriage vows, and our wedding vows in our marriage. Now here's what the Bible says about sexual sin and temptation. It's so black and white. 1 Corinthians 6.18, run away from sexual sin. Does anybody not understand that? A lot of people say, I read the Bible, it just doesn't make sense to me. Here's one sentence, run away from sexual sin. Everyone that's got a firm grip on what that means? No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does, for sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. God's word is very plain. Couldn't be any more plain. It's not enough to just turn our head from sexual sin. This says we just need to flat out run away from it. Because God knows the power that this particular sin has to completely ruin lives. You know, stop, think for just a moment about all, in just the last few years, how many politicians, how many celebrities, even how many ministers have ruined their lives by giving in to this particular area of sin in our lives. You know, we have celebrities who were endeared to the entire nation who are sitting in prison right now because they gave in to this particular sin. Now, we're talking about two things here. We're talking about sexual temptation and sexual sin. There is a difference, right? We have all been tempted in this area. I would say every one of us have been tempted in this area. It's not a sin to be tempted. Thought I have a few more amens on that. It's not a sin to be tempted. Like I say, we can't hardly exist in this society without facing some temptations. So it's how we respond. It's how we respond to the temptations that's going to determine if we're going to live a victorious life in Jesus Christ or if we're going to become enslaved to those sins. So two big questions today. One, how can I avoid temptation? And how can I defeat these temptations in my life? How can I have complete victory over these things in my life? The truth is this, right up here. The mind is where this whole battle begins, right? With any temptation, the mind is where the battle begins. And none of us are exempt from these battles. We all face them from time to time. But in the mind is where we are going to win or lose these battles. Look at what Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it will determine the course of your life. When it says to guard our heart, that involves guarding the, our thought process. Because whatever rolls around in here long enough kind of makes its way down here and it changes the direction of our life. 
Now, how many of you in here this morning would be honest enough, I'll start with me, to admit that you have done, you have made wrong, sinful choices in your life that literally change the direction of your life? Almost all of us have. The good news is this. Jesus Christ forgives. Jesus Christ puts us back on track to where we can be victorious in all things. That's the good news. Just because we have lost a battle here and there in our life does not mean we have to end up defeated because through Jesus Christ, we all can have victory. We determine that ourselves. To guard your heart is to guard your thoughts. You know, who you are as a person is, is shaped by what rolls around up here. Your thoughts determine what kind of person you are. The inter internet pornography is so destructive and addictive in society for three reasons. One, it's very, very easy to access. Two, it's pretty easy to hide. And three, on the surface, it seems to provide a uh, excitement and pleasure that has no other real repercussions. That's what people think. The facts are so clear that we live in the midst of a pornographic epidemic worldwide. Over 372 million porn websites, over 15% of the internet. 25% of all search engine requests are for pornographic sites. Now this last figure I know is at least three years old. Pornography is a $12 billion a year industry, which is more than the NFL, Major League Baseball, and the NBA all wrapped up together. And how many of you have ever complained about the outrageous salaries that these guys are making? It's chicken feed compared to the, inter the, the, the porn industry. And it, so it's no wonder that it is so hard to put constraints on this industry for, for legislation to be made uh, that would make it very, very difficult for it to take place. The problem is it's making way too many people way too much money, and money drives this society. That's the big problem. It wouldn't be that hard to curtail if it weren't for all the money involved. 40 to 50 million Americans regularly visit porn sites. That word regularly would indicate an addiction. 72% are men, 28% are women, and even that, that number surprised me a little bit, 28% women. Over 20% of those who regularly view pornography develop sexual behaviors that literally disrupt their life, and especially their relationships. Studies show that pornography diminishes a person's sexual contentment, whether they're single or married. It does not add to it diminishes. Internet pornography now plays a major role in the number of divorces today. 20 years ago, and for those of us anywhere near my age, 20 years ago seemed like, uh, it was like you know, two months ago. 20 years ago. We came to Calvary Temple, Janet and I, almost 20 years ago, and, and it's gone by like that. How many of you, if you're a young person, 20 years, well, that's like a lifetime Oh, my land, 20 years, you know, that's forever. How many we got in here like me that says 20 years ago was bad, just seemed like yesterday almost? See, it's coming, kids. You're, you're going to get there. I'm not talking crazy talk here. 
20 years ago, internet pornography was almost a non-factor in divorces in this nation. Today, 20 years later, psychologists and even divorce lawyers say that internet pornography is now commonly listed as a major cause of divorce. So, hear me today, these are battles that we don't have to lose. We don't have to come up on the ending uh, side of these things. These are all battles that God wants and will equip us to be victorious in. That's the good news. So I want to I take some time right now. I want us to look at five crucial steps that we need to take to defeat sexual temptation in our life. The first one is the same one that has woven its way through all of the others. We have to actually admit to ourselves that we are being tempted and giving in to temptation. You know, the truth, as I said before, none of us are above this temptation, especially us men. I will say that. Statistics prove it. Now, granted, not all men are prone to this sort of thing. I'm simply speaking of men who are alive and breathing. Those are the ones that need to be careful. So if you fall into that category, yes, I'm talking to you. We've all been tempted, men and women alike. We just, we need to admit it. Everybody right now, turn to someone and say, yep, I've been tempted. That make you feel a little uneasy? Some of you guys got a little excited. You turned to some cute girl looking and said, yes, I've been tempted. I want to tell you right now, chances are slim. You were the source of that temptation. So just, just calm down. Don't get all excited. So simply being tempted sexually does not make us horrible people because we've all been tempted. That much is certain. Your temptation is not unique to anyone else. I promise you there are people in this room that face these same temptations. Now is not a good time to start looking around suspiciously at people. Everybody's faced them. Listen to what Paul wrote. The Apostle Paul. But remember that the temptations you face are no different than what others experience. So you are not alone. However, you can't justify it simply because you're not alone. So don't be down on yourself simply because you are tempted. Instead, be aware, be aware of a few things. Where are you most likely when you're tempted? Where and how do you become tempted and realize that this temptation will become deadly in your life? Here's why it's so important that we are aware of this temptation. The absolute worst thing that any of us can, the worst reaction we can have to any type of temptation is to deny that we're actually being tempted. That is your worst response. If we continue to deny it, we face these temptations without any defense put in place. But if you will admit and recognize temptations in your life, you can begin to anticipate them and prepare to avoid them. If you don't try to avoid temptation because you think you're strong enough to resist, then the devil has you right where he wants you. A lot of times I've ran into people, they're putting themselves in horrible situations, but they'll say, well, well no, I, you know, I'm strong enough to resist. 
If you don't try to avoid temptations because you think you're so spiritually strong, I'm telling you, the devil has you right where he wants you. Thinking that you are too spiritually mature to ever fall into his temptation. That's where he wants you. So take that first step today and just admit if there's some areas of your life where you're more prone to facing these temptations and just begin to do something to avoid them. If there's somebody at work that makes you, uh, you know, feel a little attracted and flirtatious, always want to be around, quit hanging around. Avoid that person. That's a lot better than burning in hell forever. So, if you're dating someone and you know that there are certain situations that lead you into tempting situations where you find just the two of you alone, stop doing that. If being alone at a computer always leads you into this temptation, stop getting on a computer when nobody else is around. There are very common sense steps we can take to avoiding temptations. Come to grips with things. Admit where the weak points are. That's step one. The second step is we have to recognize that this is a spiritual battle. You know, it doesn't take a genius to figure out that sexual temptation has a very strong physical component to it, but at its root, at its foundation, like all other temptations, this temptation is a spiritual battle. Look at what Paul again writes in Romans. Keeping in mind, this is the man who wrote more books of the Bible than anybody else. I mean, God spoke through this man. Was he perfect? Well, let's find out here. But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. How many, how many of us have ever done something we knew was wrong, we did it, and then we just felt miserable? But you have something in common with the Apostle Paul. You could and should feel miserable until you ask God to forgive you. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So he, Paul, was no different than any other human being. He was tempted and sometimes fell into temptation. However, he was wise in knowing he knew the answer to victory. Ultimately, he found that answer to victory in his life, a relationship with Jesus Christ. I have to tell you, Satan has done this incredible job of convincing the world that giving in to sexual sin is just going to bring incredible joy into people's lives. That is nothing but a lie from the pits of hell. So then what happens is all too often is that people, people know they have these feelings and they have these desires, and yet they know in their head that God has made some various specific rules for our lives in this area. He has made boundaries for us in these areas. And sometimes people begin to resent God for the boundaries and the rules that he's placed in our life. You know, they get to feeling uh, bad for themselves. They'll, they'll say things or think things like, well, God, you, you know, you know I've got all these urges and desires, and, and it's not fair that you've put these boundaries in place in my life. You're the one that created me. You, you just don't, under, you don't understand how the real world is, apparently. 
But let me tell you this morning, resenting God's boundaries in this or any other area of our life is like resenting a guardrail while riding on this particular mountain path. I don't know who these people are. I only know one thing about them. They're stark raven nuts. So I say it again, resenting God's boundaries in this area of our life would be like resenting a guardrail while riding on that ridiculous mountain path. You know, if you banged into a guardrail on that mountain path, it would probably bring a little bit of pain. It hurt a little bit, but you would be absolutely thankful that somebody had placed it there, right? That's how it should be with the rules that God has placed to govern our lives. You know, if we will just realize how badly we will hurt ourselves if those rules and boundaries weren't put in place, then we will begin to appreciate God's rules in our lives. If we just will realize how bad we're going to hurt ourselves if he hadn't put them there. So the bottom line is, is really this. Sexual temptation is nothing more than a temptation where we trade God for a God substitute. That's what it comes down to. We trade God's presence in our life for something that just offers this quick fix. It always leaves us desiring more, not quenching that desire, but feeding the desire. And also at the same time, just heaps tons of guilt and regret upon us. It becomes this very, very vicious cycle. But God wants us to experience life to the fullest. Remember John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that, that, that you'll have life and you'll have it more abundantly or you'll have it to the fullest. That's what God wants for us. God just wants to love you. He wants to care for you and he wants to give you eternal life. That's a pretty big deal, right? He wants to give you eternal life. Satan, on the other hand, Satan has only one interest in you. Who can tell me what it is? to kill you. Literally, his only interest in you is to kill you. Why is that? You say, man, why does he hate me so bad? Here's why he hates you. He hates you because you still have the opportunity to receive God's gift of eternal life. And he does not. And it's driving him crazy. And it, he hates you for that. And he will go to any length to make sure you do not get to experience eternal life because he doesn't get to. That's what it all boils down to. He would love for you to be the next se sexual casualty within this particular spiritual war. But God wants you to realize that this is a spiritual war that he will help you win for the asking. And that brings us to the third step. This is a very important step, believe me, in many areas of our life. We need to understand that temptation is a lot easier to avoid than it is to resist. How many of you have found this to be true in your life? Temptation is so much easier to avoid than it is to resist. So if you're taking notes today, man, write that one in all capital letters. Temptation is easier to avoid than it is to resist. 
But so often we place ourselves, because we may think we are so spiritually strong, and it, it may, you know, it's, we don't care if we place ourselves right in the midst of horribly tempting situations, because we're strong enough, we're mature enough, and then we fail. It's like the guy who would always give in to temptation and stop after work at this bakery and buy a dozen donuts, go home and eat them all. So one day he decided, I need to pray about this thing. This is just out of control. I just need to pray about it. And he offers up this prayer. He says, God, if you don't want me to have these donuts today, then when I drive by that bakery, let there not be one available parking spot. But that day he went home with a dozen donuts. Because on his seventh trip around the block, sure enough, there was a parking space right in front of the place. Temptation is easier to avoid than it is to resist. I will tell you, this is kind of a donut story of my own. It's not about donuts. It's about uh, an example in my life. These little, you don't find them a lot around here. I don't think H-E, I never see them at H-E-B. These little cream horn pastries. Your cream horns, anybody know what those are? Little flaky pastries and they got all that white vanilla stuff inside, man. It's cream horns. Who gets hungry just the more I talk about it? Your, your, your mouth watering a little bit. Cream horn. I love, I love those things. They're hardly ever around our house though. Because if they are in front of me on a plate, they're going down. Now, I will tell you, when I go to the grocery store with Janice, I rarely even think about it. I'm not, I'm not seeking out this temptation, and I don't go looking for them. I'm just saying, if for some reason they show up at the house, they're going to be eaten by me. Because, not cream puffs. I work alone up here, okay? This is just cream horns. Cream horn. I know what they're called. I got 60 years experience in this. I, I know what they're called. <laughs> Temptation's a lot easier to avoid than it is to resist, right? If you, a lot of times there's areas of our life where if we just don't put ourselves in the situation, there's not going to be a problem. But the minute we put ourselves in that situation, there's trouble. You just need to be careful if you're here today and you're thinking, you know, I would never, never in a million years will I ever commit adultery or become addicted to porn. Not me. Because here's another little nugget of truth that Paul once again wrote in 1 Corinthians. He said, be careful if you are thinking, oh, I would never behave like that. This is the Apostle Paul talking let this be a warning to you, for you may fall into this sin. None of us have gotten to the point where we can just place ourselves in right in the middle of any temptation and think we will be victorious. Not if we've made the horrible decision to purposely place ourselves right in the midst of temptation. At some point, at some point, if you continue to do that, maybe you won't give in on the first time, the second time, at some point it's going to happen. Paul, be careful if you're thinking, I will never behave like that. You know, I think we tend to do that quite often, though. We think we're strong enough to resist, and so we allow temptations into our life thinking, well, but I'll be okay. 
Now I'm going to get on my soapbox because I am the pastor and I have the microphone. Here's one area that blows my mind with people in the church. And you don't even have to come up and confess to me. I'll tell you right now, I don't know who does or who does not do this. So I'm not preaching at any specific person, okay? Just to let you know. Don't have a clue. I'm just saying from my years of ministry experience, I am blown away by how many people within the church pay extra money every month to bring TV channels into their home like HBO, Showtime, Cinemax, and it's not called Cinemax for nothing. Pay extra money to bring it in home, thinking, well, myself nor my family, my kids, none of us will be affected by this. We don't watch the bad stuff. Wow. Read my lips today. You and your family are being affected. It's, there's an effect. You may think your kids are never watching any of that sleazy programming, life-altering junk. I'm telling you, they are. It might be in the middle of the night. I don't know. It's happening. Why? Because you've paid extra money to bring it into your house. If you're thinking none of that is affecting your family, you win. You're supposed to say win what? You win the most naive parent of the year award. That's what you win. Okay, nobody got mad at me and got up and walked out, so I'm moving on. I just I threw that in completely for free. No extra charge. You know, David was a man after God's own heart. This was a serious dude seeking to please God. But what did he do? He didn't guard his heart. He placed himself purposefully right in the midst of temptation and buddy did he fall with a thud right if it could happen to him it can happen to any of us he not only ended up committing adultery ultimately he committed murder to try to cover up the adultery none of us are beyond giving in to temptation I'm the pastor and I'm telling you that because the Bible says if any of us get to the point where we think oh we'd never be tempted that I, Satan has got you right where he wants you. We are all capable of being tempted. We're all capable of giving in, in and of ourselves. We have to look to Jesus for strength, for wisdom and guidance. That is our defense, not us. We will fail every time. Another truth is this. Most of the sinful things we do are not things that just happened. This is a very common defense. Someone said, why in the world did you do that? I don't know, it just happened. Rarely does anything in life, rarely does it just happen. There's things that led up to a certain chain of events. Rarely does it just happen. The truth is that oftentimes our, our sins are the direct result of us placing ourselves right in the middle of bad situations over and over until we finally give in. That's how it happened. It didn't just happen. Every one of us are capable of falling into temptation. The key is to make it as hard as possible in our lives to find us in those situations. If we're not in those situations often because we're guarding against them, chances are very good, even when we do find ourselves, we'll be able to ward off that temptation because of our strength drawing from Jesus Christ. But if we're the ones purpose, purposely placing ourselves in the midst of it day after day after day, we don't stand a chance. Do some affirmative things to protect yourself. 
Do something to, I'll get I'll, I'll, my own example. Here's something I've done to protect myself in this area of temptation. Almost every year in the last 43, soon to be 44 years of marriage, I have put on about two to three pounds a year. I now weigh about 100 pounds more than when we got married, simply because I don't want to have to be fighting women off. And I'm this, this plan has proven to be very, very effective. I haven't had to fight one off yet. Do something proactive, people. Come on. Okay, maybe that's a bit of a stretch. But we do need to do whatever it takes, right? If it means getting rid of internet service at home, get rid of it. That's that better than burning in hell. Is there any, I mean, there's nothing we can come up with. You go, well, I don't know. That'd be worth burning in hell. I can't think of anything. I can't think of anything. Don't get on the computer unless somebody else is there. If you need to get rid of certain things out of your life, get rid of them. You need to get rid of some TV channels that are coming into your house, get rid of them. Just do something. I will say this, if you have said to yourself over and over again, if you said, that's it, I'm not going to do this thing, whatever it is, I'm not going to do it again, and then you find yourself still falling into it, it's an addiction at that point. You may not want to admit it, but I'm just telling you right now, it's become an addiction. We have, we have at, at CT Church, we've got access to good counseling. If you, you call us, we, we know good counselors. We have access to Right Now Media. All of you have access to go online. There's a ton of great programming talking about all sorts of battles that we fight in life. It's really good stuff. We have some materials. But first, you've got to set it in your heart that you're going to take some steps towards your relationship with Jesus Christ. You're going to look to Him for power to overcome whatever area in life that you're continually failing in. Here's something else you can do. Guard who you hang around with. That's an easy one. Again, 1 Corinthians, Paul writing, guys full of wisdom. Some say, let's eat and get drunk for tomorrow we die. But don't be fooled by those who say such things for bad company corrupts good character. You know, people say, well, I just can't get rid of my friends. They love and they care for me. Well, let me ask you this. Are your friends inviting you to do things that are against God's word? If they are, they are not your true friends. They're not concerned about your welfare. They don't care if you burn in hell for eternity or they wouldn't be leading you down that direction. You need to find yourself some real true friends. I'll throw this in for free. A great place to find real good true friends, join a life group. On Wednesday nights, join a life group and begin to build some relationships with people who really will love you and care for you and vice versa. And together we help each other remain strong in life. That was free. Fourth step in beating these temptations. Focus on God, not on the temptation. 2 Timothy 2.22, again, run from temptations of youthful lusts. Always do the right thing. Be faithful, loving, and easy to get along with. Worship with people whose hearts are pure. There again, I think that ties into the, the life group thing. Build relationships with people who are God believers. You know, it's not, 
it's not always enough to just try to flee from temptation because sometimes temptations have a way of catching back up with us, don't they? I came across what I think was a pretty good illustration on why temptations tend to keep following us around. We try to leave, we turn around, there they are, right, right behind us. This tormented man went into the psychologist's office and he begins to tell him of a reoccurring dream that is just driving him berserk. In his dream, he says there are two dogs. There's a white dog, there's a black dog, and in every dream, they fight each other to the death. The psychiatrist was a little intrigued with this story. He said, you know, let me ask you a question. Is it the same particular dog that always wins? He says, yeah, as a matter of fact, it is. It says, it's always the same dog that wins the battle. The doctor said, how do you explain that? The guy said, well, the one that wins is the one that I always feed the most. Now, you got to let that sink in for just a minute here. It's a lot deeper on the, than it feels on the surface. Our lives are a lot like that. Who wins the battle within us? Is it going to be God or is it going to be Satan? I'll tell you right now, it'll be the one that you feed the most. The one you're feeding the most is going to win the battle. You want to know why Satan's always winning the battle? Oh, poor me, I can't, get, I can't beat temptation. The temptations come, I always give in. Why is this, God? Well, it's because you're feeding, you're feeding Satan more than you're feeding God. Relate his, the relationships in your life. Do we feed ourselves more godly things in our lives or do we spend more time feeding things into our life that are going to tempt us and ultimately destroy us? It's a very simple question to answer if you're just honest with yourself. When we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, the Bible tells us that this new person is birthed within us. That is an incredible miracle. You know, when we sin, we don't have the ability to just forget what we've done. And sometimes that kind of brings us down a little bit. The thing we have to, uh, to focus on is that when we go to God with a sincere heart and ask Him to forgive us of something we've done wrong, He not only forgives us, He does what? Forgets. He forgets about it. That's incredible, don't you think? Don't you wish that every bad thing you've ever done to other people, that they could just forget about it and not even remember it? Or everything, forget about it. Forget about it. Man, that'd be great if we had the power to do that. Even We don't have the power ourselves to do that, but God does. We need to focus on that. We need to think about that. If we've asked God to forgive us, He doesn't even remember it, so don't keep bringing it up. Don't keep bringing Get past it. You've been forgiven. Now move on. So the key to successful Christian living is to feed that new person more than you're feeding the old person. Feed the new person, starve off the old person. That's the key. Let me say that coming to church on Sunday morning, that's a good thing for you to do. It's feeding the new person. But I really think, I'm going to keep pounding this, joining a life group on Wednesday night will really help you keep that new person fed because you draw strength from people you know and people who care and about you and love you. There's a lot of strength in that. It helps you keep the focus on God, not on the temptation. And finally, step five. This is a real no-brainer, but it's the step you have to take to start moving in the right direction. Choose 
to stop. you got to make a choice to stop. That is very key. There's nothing magical. There's nothing mystical about it. You just have to choose to stop, and until you make the right choice, you won't stop. You don't have to be a brain surgeon to figure that one out, right? You know, God has given all of us this incredible power. He has given us the power to choose. Now, you need to stop, and you really need to think about this this morning, because this is very key to this whole beating temptation thing. God has given you this incredible power. You have a power that most of the angels in heaven don't have. Did you realize that? God did not give every living being that he created a power to choose. Only a small portion of the angels had did God give the power to choose. Satan was one of those, and what did he do? He blew it completely, right? Because of his power to choose, he ruined himself. We are in the same boat. Because of this great power that God has given to us, a power to choose, we can either use that power to live a victorious life or we can use that power to completely destroy ourselves. It goes both ways, doesn't it? It's like Spider-Man when his uncle said to him, with great power comes great and I know that came from a comic strip, but I'm telling you, that's deep right there, man. That is deep thinking because it applies to each of us in a very spiritual realm. We have been given this great, great power, the power to choose. If we go to hell, it'll be one person's fault. Whose? Be yourselves. Why? Because you chose it. Because you had the power to choose hell. You didn't choose heaven. The upside of that is that we all have the power to choose heaven. That's good news, right? Nobody, nothing anybody does to you, though I don't care how bad they treat you, nobody has the power to send you to hell because you have the power to choose heaven. Man, it doesn't get any better than that. But yet Satan is working overtime trying to get us to use that power so that we end up in the same boat he's in. You've got that power, the power to choose. It's one of the most underrated gifts that God has given humans, the power to choose. And I'll say this, there, there's a lot of times Satan gets a bad rap. Anybody shocked at that statement? People always blame their bad choices on Satan. And I will reiterate a point I made earlier in the series, and that is this, Satan has never ever, not even one time in all of your existence, made you do something. He's never done it. He might have tempted you, but every single sinful thing that you have ever done in your life, you did because you chose to do it because you have the power to choose. Satan might have dangled the carrot out in front of you. You chose to bite he had zero control over you. You know why? Because even Satan knows you have the power to choose. He is really powerless in your life once you realize that. Once you realize Satan cannot make you do anything ungodly or do anything that you don't want to do because you have the power to choose right, I'm telling you, that's a major stepping stone in coming to that realization in your life. 
And, I, and when we stand before God, God is not going to buy into, well, the devil made me do it defense. That one's not going to work. He's not going to buy into any of the popular excuses. He's not going to buy into the, well, I just can't help it. I mean, you're the one that made me with these urges and blah, blah, blah. And, and you know, what was I supposed to do? He's not going to buy into the ever popular favorite. Hey, man, everybody was, everybody was doing it. Everybody's doing it. Everybody's going to hell. That's what you need to understand, okay? If everybody's doing something wrong, something sinful, then the whole bunch is going to hell. I want to be on the boat that goes to heaven. The only way that's going to happen is through my power to choose. We get to choose to do things that are right. God has given us that ability. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. Every time we fall into sin, it is no one's fault but our own because God's promises, He will always give us the power and show us a way out. If we fall into it, it means we chose to do it. We have the power to choose. It can be good news or it can be really bad news. It's meant to be good news. That's why He placed it in our life. God gives us the power, but we have to choose good over evil. You have to know what side you're going to align yourself with. Make a choice to stop. If there's something in your life you need to stop, make a choice to stop. You have the power. You have the power to choose. Choose to honor God with your spirit and with your physical body, with every part of your being. Amen? You have been listening to CT Church in San Antonio, Texas. This recording was presented in the context of our Sunday service. For more information, please visit us at ctagsa.com, connect with us on Facebook, or call us at 210-657-3578.